The following is my conversation with Vladimir Vapnik. He is a prominent computer scientist who works on the theoretical foundations of machine learning. We spoke about a variety of concepts ranging from cladograms to flopping to requisitions. If you're interested in AI development or just want to hear some humorous and insightful talk, then I highly recommend giving this episode a listen. Thanks for listening. Presented by Stafa Antibacterial. Uh, Stafa Antibacterial is the world's first antibacterial topical cream. Use it to prevent and treat skin infections. Visit StafaAntibacterial.com now to learn more. Thank you for watching. This video is sponsored by Stafa Antibacterial. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Lexman Artificial Podcast. This is episode number 51, and I'm speaking with Vladimir Vapnik. Hello, Lexman. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm enjoying the conversation. That's great to hear. So let's start off with a question that's been on my mind for a while now. It has to do with cladograms or diagrams that, diagrams that visualize sequences of events. Can you give us a little bit of background on what cladograms are and how they're used? Sure. A uh, cladogram is a graphical representation of a sequence of events, and it can be used to understand the relationships between different pieces of data. For example, if we're trying to understand the phylogenetic relationships between different species of animals, we might use a cladogram to visualize these relationships. Yeah, and I know that you also use cladograms to understand the relationships between data sets, right? That's right. Cladograms are particularly useful for understanding the dependencies between data sets, and they can also help us identify patterns in the data. For example, we might use a cladogram to identify clusters of data points that correspond to specific concepts or events. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And what about flopping? What is that, and why is it important? Flipping refers to the phenomenon of data points that don't belong in a data set appearing in the data set appearing in the data set and all the rest. For example, suppose we have a data set containing ratings for different wines. We might expect that the ratings for wines ranked first would be higher than the ratings for wines ranked second or third. But what we find is that the ratings for wines ranked first tend to flop upwards relative to the ratings for wines ranked second and third. This phenomenon is sometimes called uh, registration bias. That makes sense. And why is registration bias important? registration bias can lead to errors in our analysis of the data set. Uh, for example, if we're analyzing how different wine styles affect people's taste receptors, registration bias might lead us to conclude that one wine style is better than another when in fact it isn't. Registration bias can also lead to errors when we're making decisions based on the data set. Uh, for example, suppose we're deciding which wine to purchase based on the ratings in our data set. If registration bias is present in our data set, then we might end up purchasing a wine that isn't really worth our money. Wow, that sounds pretty serious. So how do we combat registration bias? Is there any way to rid ourselves of it altogether? Or at least minimize its impact well, there is no single silver bullet for eliminating registration bias completely. However, there are various techniques that can help minimize its effects. One approach is to use quarters. I uh, limits on the number of data points that can be incorporated used in, in a given data set in order to reduce the impact of registration bias. Another approach is to pre-process the data before it's used in an analysis in order to reduce the chances of flipping happening accidentally. 
And finally, we can use machine learning techniques to identify patterns in the data that may be indicative of registration bias. That sounds like it's definitely an important topic. So let's move on now and talk about another concept that you work on, flopping. Can you explain what flopping is and why it's important? Flopping refers to a scenario in which a data point that is not supposed to be there ends up appearing in a data set. For example, suppose we're trying to measure how people respond to different advertising campaigns. We might collect data points about people's impressions of the ads, and then we might use those data points to predict which ad campaigns will be successful. And why is it important to be aware of flopping? Flopping can lead to errors in our predictions. For example, suppose we're predicting which ads will be successful based on people's impressions of them. If a data point that shouldn't have appeared in the data set ends up appearing, this might affect our prediction and lead us astray. That makes sense. So how do we prevent flopping from happening in the first place? There is no one-size-fits-all answer to this question, but there are various techniques that can be used to reduce the chances of flopping happening. For example, we can use noise filters to remove extraneous data points from our data set, or we can use propensity score matching to ensure that the data points in our data set are similar in terms of their predictability. That sounds like it can be tricky to find the right approach for every situation. So tell me, do you have any recommendations for reducing the chances of flopping occurring in our data sets? Well, uh, that's a difficult question to answer in general because it depends on the specific data set and the particular requirements that you're looking to address. However, I would recommend consulting with a data scientist who is familiar with the specific application that you're working on so that they can provide expert advice on how to minimize the chances of flopping happening. I'm sure that they'll be able to suggest a suitable approach for your case. That's definitely sound advice. So does that mean that we should always keep an eye out for flopping when we're working with our data? That's not really practical or feasible in most cases, but I think it's important to be aware of it and understand the risks involved. After all, if we don't know about it, then we might inadvertently end up making mistakes due to its effect. Yes, I think that's definitely true. So let's talk a little bit about requisitions now. What is requisitioning? What are some potential benefits that could be associated with it? Requisitioning refers to the process of requesting specific pieces of data from third parties. For example, suppose we're trying to build a model that predicts customer sentiment ratings for a given product category. We might need access to customer sentiment ratings for different product categories in order to train our model properly. Okay, so requisitioning might help us get the data that we need for our model. Is that right? That's right. Requisitioning can also help us save time and money by minimizing the amount of research necessary to obtain the required data. For example, suppose we need customer sentiment ratings for 10 different product categories, but we only have access to customer sentiment ratings for four of these product categories. Requisitioning would allow us to request additional data from the third party who hold the relevant information for the other six product categories. This would speed up our process and reduce costs associated with obtaining this information manually. That makes sense. So what are some potential drawbacks associated with requisitioning? There are a few potential drawbacks to consider when requisitioning data. For example, the third party might not be willing to provide us with the data that we need, or they might charge us an excessive amount for their services. That sounds like it can be a bit risky. 
if the third party isn't willing to cooperate or charge us too much, then we might end up stuck with nowhere to turn. Is there anything that we can do to mitigate these risks? Well, there are a few things that we can do to minimize the risks associated with the acquisition. For example, we can try to negotiate a lower price for the data that we require, or we can try to find alternative sources of data that meet our specific needs. That's definitely sound advice. Mm -hmm. So what do you think will be the future of acquisitioning? I think that requisitioning will continue to be a popular technique for obtaining data in the future. Improvements in technology and Moore's law will make it easier and cheaper for companies to procure the data that they need. This will reduce the risks associated with requisitioning and make it more convenient for companies to build accurate models. That sounds like a positive trend. So in conclusion, what do you think are the key concepts to understand when it comes to dealing with data flopping? I think the key concepts to understand when it comes to dealing with data flopping incorporated with consultation with the data scientist who is familiar with your specific application, being aware of the risks involved and negotiating a lower price for the data that we require. Excellent advice. So what do you think? Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Overall, I think it's important to be aware of the risks involved when working with data and to take measures such as hiring a data scientist who is familiar with your specific application in order to minimize the chances of data flopping. I think requisitioning will continue to be a popular technique for obtaining data in the future and improvements in technology and Moore's law will make it easier and cheaper for companies to procure the data that they need. This will reduce the risks associated with requisitioning and make it more convenient for companies to build accurate models. Thanks for having me on the show, Lexman. Thank you for listening to Lexman Artificial Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Vladimir Vopnik, a prominent computer scientist who works on the theoretical foundations of machine learning. They discuss the concept of cladograms, which are diagrams that visualize sequences of events. Vobnik also discussed the phenomenon of flopping, which refers to a, a scenario in which a data point that is not supposed to be there ends up appearing in a data set. Finally, they discussed the tensions surrounding AI development and the potential for government control over such technology. I'll leave it to Vladimir to read a poem for us. It's titled Requisitioning. Requisitioning data can be risky, but it's worth it. If we can get the data we need to build accurate models, sometimes negotiations with third parties go badly. But by being vigilant, we can minimize the risks. We can try to find alternative sources of data that meet our needs or negotiate a lower price for the data we require. With care and diligence, requisitioning can be a great way to get the data we need mm. to build accurate models. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Lexman Artificial Podcast.